What's up, everyone? Before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, which is a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone an opportunity to take your podcast to the next level, or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle's the perfect place for you. As a part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all the other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Again, that's bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for this episode of the OBR Film Breakdown to find out more about bwhustle.com. Again, Blue Wire Hustle, so that's bwhustle.com join. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What a beautiful throw by the Baker. Big job! Hasta la vista, baby! What's up, everyone? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. We are going to uh, have a quick chat. Uh, I... I kind of geared away from doing Sunday night reactionary podcasts. I think sometimes they can get a little dicey in terms of actually telling you what's gone on with the game, um, which is, which is I think, important because at the end of the day, my job is to be able to tell you exactly what happened and give you film analysis from what, what transpired as well. So what we're going to spend time talking about today is... <laughs> Your playoff-bound Cleveland Browns, who go 11 and five for the first time since uh, since 1994, and it's pretty remarkable what they were able to do this year. Um, and I've said uh, early in the week that I thought that that my coach of the year would be Kevin Stefanski, solely based on what he was able to do in a pandemic-laden season, uh, to which I wrote about all of the disadvantages he was dealing with and the way in which he became overcame and uh, was the right man at the right time for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I hope you have a chance to read that because those are genuine feelings for me uh, that I think were important to express, uh, the admiration I have for what Kevin Stefanski has done. And he wasn't perfect on Sunday. You know, the Browns win 24-22. He wasn't perfect. A lot of things that we all questioned, but I do think that he's the perfect coach doing the perfect job in a really difficult season. So um, that's what I had to say and I don't know if you agree with it you obviously might not so it's okay if you don't I mean I think that there are other deserving candidates Sean McDermott and listen you can complain about a lot of different things with this team but I don't I don't think you can complain about how well Kevin Stefanski has righted the ship and I continue to say it um what he did for this offense I made note of turning them into the third best turnover team this year in terms of uh sheer giveaways from the offensive side of the football they cut it down from 28 to 16 you know, last year they were, uh, I think, fifth most turnovers in the entire league. 
uh, third most interceptions, and have totally turned that around. And kudos to Baker Mayfield for that too. And I should say what I said on Twitter, which is that Baker Mayfield deserves a ton of praise for what he was able to do this season and uh, what, a, what he was able to do in terms of turning around and riding the ship in his career. And there's a lot of people that deserve credit for that, but but Baker obviously deserves the most credit for what he was able to turn his his career into. Um, you know, riding the ship here, putting himself in a position to get an extension, possibly an extension, I should say, but at least have his option picked up and really uh, extend the window for what the Browns think he can become and ultimately grow into. So, um you know, we'll talk about a little bit more of that stuff here in a bit, but we should we should start with the game, which was which was one hell of a game. It was uh, it's never going to be easy. There was a time in which it looked like it was going to be easy. The Browns got up twenty four to nine at the start of the start of the fourth quarter, and I think Pittsburgh was willing to concede that game. They were running the football a ton. They started a thirteen play drive that they converted two fourth downs, I believe, and a couple long third downs. So. Uh, it, it culminates with a jump ball on 4th and 10 in the right corner of the end zone, which is a 28-yard touchdown Mason Rudolph throws. But, um, you know, the Browns made it made it more difficult again with the next drive on 4th and 3. And there were times, listen, I've said this, I've said this multiple times now, I really don't like arguing, bickering about play calling, but there was a, a situation there on 3rd down where I definitely think the Browns were in a situation uh, on 3rd and 3 where they need to give Nick Chubb the football two times there and find a way to get three yards. And that's your best player in that situation. But they didn't want to do that. Uh, they got in a situation where they took a sack on third down from Gunn and uh, an incomplete pass to Rashard Higgins on fourth down. And that was one of the few times I've disagreed with how Kevin Stefanski's approach to situation thought they should have given it to Nick. But it, it, it listen, it works out in the end. Yeah, Pittsburgh goes down and scores with a minute 23 left, but they... Just as they did with Jacksonville, they they get a hold. They get a hold on a two-point conversion, and you recover the onside kick and pick up another first down and win. So, look, we all know that the Browns have, have for a long time, not been able to get over the hump. They couldn't get over the hump in 2007, and they lost the game to Cincinnati. They couldn't get over the hump in uh, 2014, losing their last five games. The, the, the Eventually, if you build this thing, and the Browns have been building it for a long time, eventually... You have to get over the hump, and that's making the playoffs. That's the next hump, and they found a way to get over that hump. And it's it, listen, I know Pittsburgh didn't play multiple important players, but at the end of the day, the pressure, the tangible pressure to figure this thing out, break the curse, whatever you want to call it, is there. And it's and it's a burden on top of these players and so many others within the organization that you just you just had to figure out a way to get into the playoffs. I think like. You know, I don't think we we'll sit here and fool ourselves and and call the Browns a real Super Bowl contender right now. I think the Bills are clearly better. I think I think this game with Pittsburgh will be interesting, but I think they're in a better position from a roster standpoint. Certainly, think the Chiefs are the favorite in the AFC. That's not even talking about the NFC. But you got to eventually get to certain spots. And if you look at the Bills as sort of a a, a look into what it takes and where you want to ultimately go. Um, they made the playoffs a few years back for the first time in a long time, and then they slowly keep building and adding parts and building up other sections of the of the roster, and you find yourself 13-3. and three. And I think the Browns can eventually get there, so the goal is to sort of take those necessary steps and getting to the playoffs um, and, 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 you know, call it whatever, sneaking in, whatever. 
is a part of that process, and they should be extremely proud of that. I think that that means something. It means something to the people who have followed this team for a long time. It means something to to a lot of different people, and 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 it's important to your fans, and it's important to a young roster figuring out how to win at the NFL level. You can win all you want at college. Winning at the NFL level is completely different, and you have to learn how to do it, and it was great to see them put it together. So uh, let's continue to focus on this game where Baker Mayfield is the highest-graded pro football-focused player at 82.4 and 62 snaps. He uh, ultimately goes on the game uh, 17 for 27, 196, one touchdown. They did miss the touchdown in Njoku on that on that second red zone uh, entrance there. Well, they didn't even go the red zone the first time because Nick Chubb breaks off a long run. He broke off that 47-yard run, which I posted a video of that, which is just a fantastic job by Wyatt Teller at the second level. Uh, obviously, Nick makes some heroic stuff happen. Uh, but Donovan Peoples-Jones on the backside getting getting that block to get him into the end zone. But, um, you know, Baker probably has a second touchdown in Njoku. It was just a great throw. Um, and a question that keeps coming up to me about Baker's day is, you know, the inaccuracy. I think there's there was some struggles with ball placement. There was some struggles with timing. And listen, you can, you you know, we all want that answer. Why, 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 why? Well, sometimes guys just miss. I think Baker's had games where he's been streaky and on point, and then sometimes he's just been a little bit off. I think he's just a little bit off on on a few throws Sunday that um, he would want back. Now, luckily, guys like Hooper, guys like Kadero Hodge went down. Uh, Jarvis Landry, they, they, they made plays on the football, and that's important. Sometimes the quarterback does everything right. The wide receiver can't get it done. Sometimes the quarterback can't get it done, and the wide receiver picks him up. So it's, it's, it's all working in lockstep there. So not not a pinpoint accuracy day for Mayfield, but obviously good enough. One of his better graded games of the year where he actually ran for 44 yards, which I thought was nice. Uh, nice to see him pick up and extend some drives with his feet. Nick Chubb's the second highest graded player, 80.1. Um, 14 carries, I believe, for, for 108 yards, a touchdown. I don't know if Kevin Stefanski is trying to be patient with him, keep him fresh for next week. I don't know. 14 carries probably isn't enough, but they ran the ball plenty, 24 times. Uh, 25 if you include Jarvis Landry's touchdown, and if you want to make it 31 because of Baker's six carries. I thought they ran it enough. Uh, you could argue that Nick didn't get enough of the carries that you wanted him to get, which is fine, uh, but but generally speaking, I thought they ran the football enough, but I expect a heavier dose of Nick specifically next week as they go all out to try to figure this thing out, uh, which will be uh, uh, all-hands-on-deck approach. So uh, Kadero Hodge with a 77.9 uh, grade and 26 snaps. Uh, obviously a fantastic catch down there uh, just inside the five-yard line. If you have not had a chance, check that video out. I posted it after the Browns did on their Instagram. CBS, not great with replays. Pretty frustrating all around. Um, I don't know what's up with that. Hopefully it's better on Sunday Night Football. Jack Conklin, 73.4 grade. Jarvis Landry, 73.2. Treader, 69.6. Austin Hooper with a 69.5. Would have been better if he, he was... Partially responsible for a couple sacks on the pass-blocking aspect of things, which still don't love tight ends on defensive ends, but that's uh, here nor there in, in pass game. Bottom grades were Kareem Hunt with a 49.6, not a very good run grade. Uh, I think they think he missed some opportunities. Joel Batonio continues to struggle against Pittsburgh. I'm sure if I broke down Joel's career, I would notice that he just struggles against Pittsburgh. And uh, it happened without Cam Hayward, which is rare because he usually struggles with Cam Hayward. Uh, but but Joel's got to get over that mental hump for next week. It's a 49.9 grade for him, 73.6 pass block grade, but a 57 run block grade in those two false start penalties, which were tough. Uh, Steven Carlson toward the bottom, 
Uh, David Njoku with a 61.8. Jedrick Wills with a 61.2. His worst pass block grade of the season, 44.1. Um, he, he got... He got beat by Alex Highsmith far too many times. Uh, Highsmith is the Steelers' rookie who they're clearly going to see him as the replacement for Bud Dupree. Uh, a little worrisome how Jed played. I hope he can bounce back this weekend. Uh, but but overall, offensively, a pretty solid day after what started out rough. I think the Browns were very vanilla. I think that they, they could have done more in terms of an all-in approach, but maybe Stefanski saving some things for this weekend, more screen plays, more creativity and play action. Uh, we'll just kind of have to see. They have not been a heavy play action team against odd fronts in terms of, of uh, bootleg play action stuff. I'm going to write about that, but they don't love to do it against those odd front teams because they have those wide crashing uh, edge players, outside linebackers that, that can cause fits on boot stuff. So um, we'll talk about that later this week in an article. Uh, Sheldon Richardson leads the defense with an 81.4, and then after that it gets pretty bleak. Uh, jumps to the second highest grade is a 70.9 for Miles. And look, I don't know if Miles is still dealing with some COVID impacts, but he's not quite creating as much disruption as I thought he would uh, at the end of the year here. Maybe he has a big push coming in the playoffs, but only two total pressures on the quarterback, a couple hurries, that's it. While Sheldon Richardson, for example, had six. Um so maybe we'll see. I don't know. Miles had three tackles total. Thought he was pretty solid in the run game. But uh, overall, hoping he can be a, a much bigger impact this weekend. Porter Gustin in 16 snaps has a 70 grade. Sione Takitaki in 38 snaps has a 69.4. Vincent Taylor has 11 snaps for a 67.9. And had a really good stretch there where he sniffed out a Pittsburgh screen on first down in the third quarter. Uh, makes a nice second down tackle at the line of scrimmage, and then on third down, the Browns get pressure and create an interception, the the MJ Stewart interception, which was great. They sent a, an interior A-gap blitz where they turned everybody on an overload left and brought Jacob Phillips untouched until the, the running back caught him right in front of Mason Rudolph's face, but Mason threw it off his back foot and an interception happened. So that was great. Really big momentum swinging play, which Jacob Phillips has a 66.8 grade, 83.2 tackle grade, which is his best by far. Uh, the only thing that kind of drug his grade down a little bit was a 49.8 in uh, run defense grade. Kind of got held on too many second-level plays by, uh, you know, linemen, guard centers getting up into into his chest. He's got to get off blocks at the second level and hold his run fit. Uh, he's a little thinner than I thought he would play this year, so, you know, take that for what it is. But uh, I think he's got a real nice future with the Browns. I don't know what position that will be. I'm not sure if it's a Mike uh, based on his size, but we'll have to see. Uh, where he fits in long-term. Ronnie Harrison did not tackle well, a 29.4 tackle grade. I think he had three missed tackles, his worst mark of the season. Um, but he gets a 66.5. Otherwise, I think, I think he played pretty well. He's in good position. Same for Terrence Mitchell, who who's who's a 65.2. I thought he was in pretty good position most of the day, too. Just just didn't make a play on the football a couple times. Chase Claypool got him uh, a couple times. Uh, I, I listen, Terrence Mitchell is just kind of an average corner. Uh, he, some days he shows up and makes the plays, and some days he doesn't. We'll have to see what that all looks like this week because uh, Pittsburgh's just going to challenge you down the sideline. They're going to throw fades. They're going to throw jump balls with these wide receivers, and you have to be able to make a play on the football. So hopefully he can step up to the challenge. Um, they need him to. I don't know if Denzel will be back, so they're certainly going to need him to. Robert Jackson, 48.1 grade. I, listen, he played 67 snaps. I thought he was pretty solid. A couple pass breakups. I know he got beat twice too, but pretty solid overall day for a guy who hasn't started or seen significant snaps all season. So. I thought I thought Robert Jackson was fine overall. 
Uh, Jordan Elliott, 46.1 in 16 snaps. Olivier Vernon graded really poorly, which I did not expect. They have him down for three missed tackles, a 24.5 tackle grade, 39.2 overall despite his sack and two pressures. Um, so not good. And then we obviously know Olivier tears his Achilles, ruptures his Achilles, which is so unfortunate for a guy who was probably playing the best football of his career, at least up there. It, it maybe maybe not the best of his career, but his nine sacks uh, were up there. And um, you know his career, career high for single season is 11. So I thought he was up there. He's done some really good things. Tough to see him lose. And I would go on the assumption that he will no longer be with the Browns. He will miss all of next season uh, with an Achilles injury uh, that will that will keep him out. Like I said, you know, especially to his age, he'll be. Uh, I think he'll be 31 by the time that all starts happening. The re- the recovery process really tough on a player that age to come back from an Achilles. So. Just have to see where it takes him, but I don't think that it will take him very far in Cleveland. So they will look to have to replace his production next year. Um, there was some thought process that maybe they could bring him back on some sort of different deal for a year or two based on how well he's played the back half of this season, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen, which is, which is, which is crummy. Um, anyway, in this game, other, other, other stats of note, Richard Higgins goes two catches, 55 yards, uh, a great double move on Justin Lane that I posted. Jarvis Landry, six targets, five catches, 51. A great one-handed catch over the middle. Tight window throw. Also posted that one. Hooper goes four for 37 in a touchdown. Browns did a fantastic job of after Baker threw uh, two who's an open David Njoku on the first down play in that 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 uh, that red zone att- first red zone attempt of the day in the second quarter. Uh, I, th- I certainly thought. Baker made the right read, just a little late, a little inside with that throw. Minka makes a great play, but the Browns definitely noticed Austin Hooper leaking across was open. They came back to that later in the third quarter, uh, obviously scored a touchdown uh, on that play, which was really fun to see. Canero Hodge with two for 25, a couple really good catches. The, the one-handed catch I mentioned earlier was was fantastic. David Njoku, two for 13, off five targets. Donovan Peoples-Jones has one for three, uh, made a really acrobatic catch that he almost came down and bounds on another acrobatic catch that he gets hurt on. Really unfortunate. Went up to get it. He's starting to look comfortable, um, and uh, hopefully he can come back through protocol this week. It seems to be maybe he can. Pretty scary injury there. Uh, he's kind of looked like he almost was out unconscious for a minute. But um, I really like his growth this year for sure. So listen, it, the Browns um, did not do great on third down. Both sides of the football, they gave up eight of seventeen. Did a little bit better late with it 6 of 12 offensively they were outgained Pittsburgh went for 394 the Browns shut down the running game they only went for 85 James Conner had 37 Josh Dobbs had one long run ends up with 20 yards McFarland goes for 17 Benny Snell goes for 10 they shut down the run which was nice to see but they gave up 309 pass yards as Mason Rudolph if you take out the if you take out the sack went 22 of 39 for 315 two touchdowns they did create a turnover a vital turnover obviously uh, but but not not enough disruption on those fade routes, and they certainly cannot give up that throw uh, to Deontay Johnson on that skinny post late in the fourth quarter like that, which was just a massive chunk play. So Claypool, who's, who's tough, he's a tough cover for Cleveland. Five for 101 and a touchdown. Deontay Johnson, three for 96. Juju Smith-Schuster, six for 65. Vance McDonald, their tight end for Eric Ebron, five for 33. Uh, they shut out James Washington. He had no catches in, in that, that drop. 
Um, James Conner had five for 25 on checkdowns. But th- those three wide receivers are a problem, and Cleveland will, will have their hands full this weekend with those those three. And I, I include Washington in that mix. I think he's very good as well. Um, yeah, th- those those three were a problem. They have to find a way to cover them if they want to win this weekend. And Alex Highsmith goes for nine tackles, a sack on defense. They get T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward back. Uh, Edmonds in the in the in the secondary. Their other safety will be back. So uh, it'll be an even tougher challenge this upcoming weekend. Four penalties for Cleveland, only two for Pittsburgh. The one turnover for Pittsburgh, Cleveland uh, was able to to not have any. Three punts for each team. Um, time of possession, Cleveland won that by about five minutes. So listen, the close game. Uh, it's nice to know that Pittsburgh hasn't won in Cleveland since like 2017. I think 18, they played them to a tie. 19, they won on Thursday night football. And then they won this one. So um, they're holding their ground at home. They have to go win in Pittsburgh. I don't think they've won in Pittsburgh since like 2002, 2003. I'm not sure what the date was, but it's been a long time. It's going to be a real, real, real challenge, man. So um, looking at cumulative season statistics, Baker much better this year. Finishes with 3,563 yards, 26 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. Cuts that interception percentage number all the way down from the 3s to the 1 to 1.6. Much more efficient season, 305 of 486, 63% completion. Um, he finishes ninth in QBR. I'll have to see what Pro Football Focus has him cumulatively graded for the year, but I think it was a top 10 grade. I do know that John Costco from Pro Football Focus pointed out that his before and after split with with and without Odell Beckham um, was near the bottom of the NFL in the early season and tied for the second best grade after that injury. I don't know if that's um coincidence uh comfort comfort in the scheme as the season wore on i don't know it's not for me to decide there but but um it was good to see baker turn it around kareem hunt ends up going for 198 uh 198 attempts 841 yards six touchdowns nick chubb goes for 190 1067 and 12 touchdowns pretty easy to see that nick is a better scheme fit for this offense um not to knock kareem just just uh it's clear that nick is the better fit and the better player uh, but kareem is a really nice spill guy uh, giving them you know obviously a break when they need a break and uh, he does a really good job on both faces uh, receiving yards jarvis landry 72 for 840 on the year three touchdowns nice season austin hooper has 46 for 435 four touchdowns higgins 16.2 yards per catch is crazy 37 for 599 and four touchdowns Harrison Bryant goes 24 catches for 238 and 3. David Njoku 19, 213 and 2. Donovan Peoples Jones 21.7 yards per catch. 14 for 304. Two touchdowns for Peoples Jones. Kadero Hodge 11 for 180. Another 16.4 mark. So guys who can get downfield, they just got to use it a little bit more. That level of the field, they have to unlock somehow. Great season uh, for some of those guys. Cody Parkey ultimately goes 19 of 22, 86.4, which is very good. He's 43 of 47 on extra points, 91.5. Probably would have liked to see him make a couple more of those, but overall a pretty good Cody Parkey season. B.J. Goodson, let's see here. Who leads um, leads the group in tackles? 91 tackles on the year despite missing the last two weeks. Uh, Malcolm Smith, 72. Miles ends up with 12 sacks. Nine sacks for Olivier Vernon. We had two and a half from Ogunjobi, four and a half from Sheldon Richardson. Um, the group leader in interceptions 
not a ton from any one player. MJ Stewart had two total. Goodson had two total. Denzel Ward had two total. Um, four forced fumbles from Miles Garrett, which is pretty impactful for fumbles there, forced. Terrence Mitchell also with three forced fumbles, which is good to see. Really good mark there for him. And, and the 65 total tackles is also a pretty solid number as well. 18 quarterback hits for Miles, 10 for Sheldon Richardson, 16 for Olivier Vernon with one safety created. Uh, 12 tackles for loss for Vernon, which leads the team. 10 for Miles Garrett, 5 for Sheldon Richardson, 5 for Ogan Joby. Um, other things of note, that might be it. That's it. Um, make sure you check out the stats and look and compare them to last year. I think those are some, some interesting numbers and in how they've turn this thing around turnovers obviously the biggest team mark to turn around this year uh, really just an effective offensive turnaround especially limiting turnovers uh, fourth rank in the league uh, there they end up with the fourth rank 14th points for in the nfl 16th in yards the the defense 21 in points against but 17th in yards just pretty good 18th in turnovers created which is kind of average there um, really good against the run this year 10th in attempts against, 9th in yards against, 14th in touchdowns against, and 12th in yards per attempt. All very solid numbers. And when you consider that they're 4th in attempts for, 3rd in yards, 5th in touchdowns, and 5th in yards per attempt, uh, that's a pretty good balance in that phase. Uh, passing the football, 5th best interception mark, 13th best touchdown mark. So those things are great. 11th in net yards per attempt, also solid. But 24th in total passing yards with the 35-39, and then 28th in attempts. So they didn't throw it a ton this year. So, fourth most rushing attempts, 28th most passing attempts. So, there was clearly a shift in the back half of the year to get Baker Mayfield throwing the football more and kind of prove to this roster that he is able to carry the team. I certainly think that Stefanski in the front office really wanted to see if Baker could carry them um, when they needed him to because their, their window for evaluating him is small, so they wanted to put a lot on his shoulders and see if he could do it. And there were some great moments, there were some bad moments, and there was some, a lot of in-between uh, I thought he did enough to win. He's played a lot of winning football in the back half of the season, and I think that they they should be pretty pleased with where he's at. So I expect them to be a fifth-year option for sure. I don't know if an extension gets discussed quite yet, but I think it will be something that at least both sides might start talking about. So listen, it, I, I, don't, I don't want you for one second to not enjoy this. This is a fantastic season, um, one that we've been longing for for so, so long, and I hope that you've enjoyed every minute of it and you're so excited like I am for Sunday night when they can just play. There's no pressure on them. They're not expected to win. Just go play. See what happens. Put all the chips on the table and, and see what happens, and I'm excited to see what they can do and excited to see what Stefanski does from a game plan perspective because this defense from Pittsburgh is a thorn in his side for what he likes to do, so I'm quite fascinated with it. We will be back later this week to break down that uh, the break down that game, preview it. I'll have a couple of my good buddies on to talk about it, preview it. I hope you guys can listen to that one. Um, until then, uh, make sure that you prep yourself for Sunday, get ready for what should be a really fun primetime football game with Ohio State the next day, the title game. So um, good football weekend ahead, Sunday, Monday, and some good games Saturday to pay attention to as well as, as potentially if the Browns do win, they would play either the Bills or uh, the Colts. So um, you know, worth your time to watch that game. But uh, any other questions, shoot them over to me, uh, whether that's through the OBR, whether that's through Twitter, whatever. Always love to interact. We will um, we will do a Baker Mayfield film room tonight, and then we will do a defensive film room Thursday. 
uh, have a little writing in between that time. So check those things out. So hopefully you enjoyed and hopefully you enjoy your playoff Cleveland Browns. So fun, man. I had a blast breaking down this team this year. I hope you guys got some comfort and joy out of uh, out of watching it and enjoying it. I know it sucks we all couldn't be there, uh, but but hopefully this gave you some reprieve from from the tough stuff going on in the everyday world. And I hope you're staying safe and um, all of that stuff. Subscribe to this podcast. Subscribe to the OBR. We love the support. We appreciate it. Like I said, I'll be back later this week with a full preview of what's ahead on Sunday, what the Browns might do, how they can combat this this Steelers defense and slow down Ben Roethlisberger. And um, I just can't believe we're going to watch a playoff game on Sunday. It's so fun. So until next time, guys, thanks for joining. And as usual, go Browns.